Babes Talk Supply Chain, where we interview the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, changes in the industry, and hot topics in the supply chain. We answer all your questions and put the sexy into your supply chain. We are your hosts, Sarah and Nick. Welcome back to all of our Two Babes listeners. We have a special guest today, Dan Kelly, talking to us all about the investigative interviewing for supply chain executives, where he separates the facts from BS. Yes, that's BS. This is definitely going to be an interesting discussion and has a little something to do with his time at the FBI. Whoa, Sarah, FBI? Yeah. Like Federal Bureau of Investigation? Dan? That's right. That is awesome. Yeah. All right. I, uh, it, it, uh, I, I was there for just about five years, but I think Sarah's going to be providing my uh, intro here. So I'll, I'll stop talking until she completes that. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan, Dan Kelly has over 10 years of advanced negotiation and strategic sourcing experience within both the public and private sectors. He started his career with the FBI, where he handled and was in charge of strategic supplier relationships on behalf of the FBI and its global investigations. Although working for the FBI was challenging and very rewarding, he discovered that being a government employee wasn't for him as he prefers a pay for performance versus time and grade compensation model. Since leaving the FBI, Dan has supported Cargill, Syngenta, and MTS systems in various capacities ranging from senior project specialist to the global head of indirect procurement, all within the span of five years. Fast forward to present day, Dan founded the Negotiator Guru, which specifically focuses on small, on making small and mid-market companies more profitable by lowering their indirect expenses. Through advanced negotiation and targeted sourcing strategies, Dan's clients enjoy the purchasing power of a Fortune 500 company. Wow, that's an incredible bio, Dan. How come, let's, you know, I just want to start and ask you a question. Why did you focus on supply chain in general? Yeah, so, so thanks for that nice intro, uh, Sarah. The, the reason I focus on supply chain is because there's so many facets to supply chain. I mean, it's sometimes a rather boring topic to talk about and quite frankly when I was going through uh, undergrad and, and when I was exploring career options um, I thought supply chain was just those people in the back office creating POs paying invoices maybe routing some trucks here and there right but uh, uh, just the amount of planning negotiation and strategy behind it uh, is extremely complex and for all of your listeners I'm sure they would agree with that there's so many different ways in which you can uh, expand your career within the space. So that's, that's really why I focus uh, my investigative interviewing training on supply chain executives and, and professionals. Um, it's because uh, these, these principles you can use in your everyday life, both on the personal and professional side. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because, you know, a lot of people look at supply chain and they, they really don't quite get how strategic and how much planning goes into you know, um, their everyday lives, especially when it comes to supply chain, you know, executives or, or people within the supply chain in general. That's right. 
Yeah, it's uh, it, it's wonderful, and and um, you know another reason, quite frankly, I get bored of the status quo, uh, which is probably people alluded to that already, which is why I kind of left the government. But um, I loved the FBI, but uh, the FBI was part of the government, which is kind of lacking that continuous improvement process, uh, uh, improvement and pay for performance models. So my my real interest here is is continuous learning. And supply chain allows uh, me to do that, um, even though uh, I've gained some expertise in some areas, I'm still learning in others. So awesome. that's, that's my overall objective. Awesome. Okay. Well, can you give us an overview as to who would benefit from using your investigative interviewing techniques? Yeah, sure. Sure. So um, it's really, not to sound too cliche, but it's really anyone who wants to separate fact from fiction, right? Um, and uh, typically in a professional setting, uh, that would be anyone who negotiates a supplier or large commercial agreements, either on the buying or the selling side. Um, so some, some key roles would be uh, product managers, right? Um, strategic sourcing managers, uh, specifically in indirect procurement or direct procurement. Uh, I specifically uh, was professionally raised, I guess, on, on the indirect side would be the easiest way of saying it. Uh, sales teams, obviously, mm -hmm. and executive leadership for companies. So that's, that's really what it is. But, but I developed the course specifically to focus on uh, supply chain individuals. That's how I started the course, and, and it's expanded into other areas based on word-of-mouth advertising and, and repeat client business, where I brought in to teach the procurement group, but in reality, they wanted me to expand the sales team's capabilities as well. So that's kind of how everything has evolved. Very cool. Well, just for our audience's sake, what is indirect and di direct procurement? Yeah, sure. That's a good question. Um, so direct procurement are uh, those individuals that manage the commodities that are uh, part of the finished good. So an easy example is manufacturing, right? All the, all the parts and SKUs, et cetera, that make up whatever they're actually selling into the marketplace. So it's part of the cost of goods sold, if you will, directly to the product itself. Indirect is uh, all those expenses that keep the lights on. It's kind of what I say. It's, it's all those expenses in the middle line of the balance sheet, um, for, ranging from HR to professional services, professional services to uh, <clears throat> to IT uh, facilities, all that good stuff. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, that's really going to. Um help our audience get more of a visual on, on some of the things that we're going to be talking about today. So um, going back to some of the investigative interviewing techniques, what are some examples or some stories that you can tell us of um, how you've worked with supply chain executives and professionals? Yeah, one of the biggest ways in which I, I work with uh, supply chain executives, I'll just keep it, uh, uh, keep it at that focus right now, is is the art of alignment, right? Um, oftentimes, and it's internal alignment is, is what I'm talking about. So um, oftentimes suppliers uh, will take a divide and conquer approach. And let me just expand on that uh, quite quickly here um, to give some context. Uh, I, I say that uh, a supplier like Salesforce.com, not to throw anybody under the bus, but I have a lot of good friends over at Salesforce, so I feel like I can pick on them a little bit. Salesforce.com took a 
page out of the McKinsey playbook where where they they have a sales strategy that focuses on three different layers inside of the business. One, talking directly to the CEO. Uh, two, uh, focusing on middle management, generally where the budget is living. And three, uh, with the doers or people inside the business that are actually going to actively use the tool. And they'll they'll have different selling strategies depending on who they're talking to. And the, the approach there is to gain as much information from the business as possible to uh, position themselves at the highest price. So what's very important for supply chain executives to do is to have clear roles and responsibilities and communication alignment inside of their business so that they block any sort of that divide and, and conquer uh, approach inside of their business so that they're in control of how information is leaving uh, their their company so that they're in the best possible negotiation position. And as a result, they can utilize investigative interviewing tactics uh, to achieve the greatest value. Okay, perfect. Do you have an example of when you've, you've worked with a certain individual or maybe company where the and, and what the techniques have really um, you know, enhance yeah. either business or, or the way that they're, you know, speaking to people or, or, you know, selling their services. Can you give us just an example, like maybe a story of somebody you've, wor you've worked with? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, <clears throat> as long as I mention Salesforce.com, let's just use that as an example. Uh, so I was working with a client who, uh, I can't name the name, but uh, they're a, a large multinational uh, agriculture firm here, uh, which only leaves a handful, but in the interest of non-disclosures, I won't mention yeah, the actual absolutely. name. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, but uh, uh, so I, I was working with uh, them as a client, and uh, I had Salesforce.com uh, in uh, uh, approaching multiple different regions uh, within the business, trying to um, to create separate contracts across the globe, in the interest of increasing their profitability as much as profitable as possible, because um, the, the overall organization was not aligned. And so uh, what I was coaching the uh, supply chain team to do was specifically to create a, a business steering team internally uh, to identify where the opportunities are to grow the Salesforce.com relationship globally versus on a regional basis. And so that's kind of the alignment piece. And as a result, you, we were able to quickly identify the key actors inside of the business and then from there, we had a business team that we leveraged these investigative interviewing tactics to speak from one voice to the supplier and identify the true intentions of the supplier on a regional basis. We fed that up to a global basis and uh, spoke from a global negotiation team, uh, all utilizing investigative interviewing tactics to, to get the best possible deal. Um, not in a win-lose relationship, but from really a win-win. And, and uh, from a quantitative standpoint, we negotiated a deal from $25 million down to 12. So that's a, uh, I, I think they were pretty happy with the ROI that they paid me in retainer fees. So. Yeah, that's yeah. a pretty <laughs> su substantial difference. Holy. Dan, yeah. on your website, yeah. um, you say that negotiation is an art. Could you specifically... Um, explain why it's so important. Why it's so important in supply chain? 
Yeah, yeah, it certainly will. Um, yeah, it, it, it is an art, and and, um, and the reason we say that is because there's multiple factors uh, influencing the success of uh, the possible outcomes. But I'll, I'll say it's both an art and a science, right? Um, uh, an art in that uh, the negotiation is all about understanding another person's motivations, right? And motivations actually shape a person's cognitive processes um, and are influenced both by internal and external factors. So um, I'll get into those in a second. But it's also a science, right? And the science piece comes into three different behavioral assessments, which I'm actually going to give your uh, listeners here uh, some key takeaways that will be important later on in the interview. Yes. But uh, let's, let's focus specifically on the art because you asked me that question. It's, Art is led by motivations, right? And motivations are really led by uh, f four different factors. Uh, the first is is what what makes you angry, right? So w when you're thinking about uh, the person at the other end of the table, you've got to figure out what's going to make them angry, uh, what what makes them fearful, uh, and and what makes them happy, right? Those are the those are the top three. And then the fourth is really personal belief system. So uh, religion, political beliefs, uh, all the things that have made you who you are from your early childhood through you know, personal and professional interactions to where you are now. So there's four real key motivations there that's, that create the art of negotiating with someone. It's, it's not simply using tactics to get the best deal, it's understanding where the other person is coming from. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's kind of like uh, we were talking about it the other day. It's it's the art form is more like a dance. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not always a wonderfully crafted dance, but it's a dance for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Well, going back to um, you just mentioned that you're going to give our audience some takeaways, and I know that you're also working on. Um, a free resource that is going to be exclusive to our Two Babes listeners that we're also going to be putting up onto our website for them to be able to take away and use. But for this episode specifically, what are those top five tips or takeaways that you can give to our audience, both from a maybe a salesperson's perspective as well as the supply chain executive perspective? Sure, sure, I'll, I'll be happy to, and and um, I'll go through those steps, Sarah, and then and then. You know, after, um, please let me know if you have any questions. I, I want to make sure this is uh, this is impactful for everyone. And and you know, be, be, before I get there, let me let me just explain quickly the difference between um, interviewing and interrogation. Okay. Because okay? I think this is a this is a fundamental question that people have going through their brains. Um, and one that I'm asked quite a bit. So if you don't mind, let me walk through that quickly. Is that all right? Yeah, absolutely. I think our audience would love that. Yeah, so, so the three, there's three basic elements that, that make interviewing and interrogation very different, right? People think of interrogation as, as kind of that white light hanging above you, you know, in a closed prison cell trying to, uh, you know, use any sort of tactics to get information out of someone. It's not that. Yeah. I, I always thought well, it was it, that. I watch a lot it, of movies. It could be. <laughs> in certain parts of the world, it could be like that, actually. But um, uh, in sake of this conversation, you know, there's, there's, there's three different variables. One is attitude, right? The second is, is, is posture, right? And 
The third is tone of voice. So um, interviewing is very much like a conversation. Uh, interrogation is very much uh, more like a you have a hypothesis and you're trying to prove it, and you'll use any information you have to get there, right? And right. So, and, and so when we focus on the first element of, of attitudes, right, um, the, the key here is interviewing is, is non-judgmental, um, where interrogation could be actually judgmental. Right? Yeah. So that, that's, a, that's a key difference. And one-sided, I, I would assume, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Um, the, the next, just kind of going through this quickly, you know, just off the top of my head, the, the, the next is posture, right? When you're having a, a, a supplier negotiation with someone, you're going to be most successful when you're having a relaxed conversation. I know some people might think that's uh, a little against their old-school principles of always being in control of conversation, but... But that's just not true. So having a relaxed posture is extremely important in interviewing. In, in interrogation, um, it could be a little bit more th threatening with feet flat on the floor and more of a forward-looking style towards someone, right? Yeah, that's and interesting because in, I've, I've done sales previously and I, I, in my current role I'm doing some sales. And a while ago, um, I'm not too sure how long ago, but I was told to lean in to show interest. Like you're engaging. Right. Like you're engaging and that you're interested in what the person has to say, but you're saying, you know, to have that relaxed posture and to have that conversation. So I think that's sort of how things have See, kind of evolved and changed. And with me, with my life experience, I'm more with Dan. When I come to an interview, I am more relaxed do the small talk, you get to know the person because it is not an interrogation. Mm -hmm. You want to learn when you're in an interview. When you're interrogating, you have a set thing in your mind that you think is right. It may be right, it may not be right. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to get him to admit that it's right or wrong. Right. So maybe right. I've been doing it wrong this whole time. Is that why I haven't been a... <laughs> <laughs> is that why I'm not a president? <laughs> is that why Is that why maybe I should, I should be a little bit more successful in sales? No. <laughs> Well, it might be something you, you want to think about. I was so. interrogating, not interviewing. <laughs> Damn it, I wish I would have talked to you a long time ago. You were telling them you're going to buy us. Yeah. It, it does. It, you know, I'll tell you what it does, though. It, it, it sends up nonverbal signals that put your, the person on the other side of the table in a defensive posture. Right. Whether or not you, whether or not you think it does that. And this, this isn't 100% science, right? But, but this is more often true more often than not, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, you're... By leaning in, it's good to show attentiveness, but you need to do it in a careful way. So that's all. Okay. Awesome. Um, the third is tone of voice, right? So we've kind of talked about this. This is, uh, I'll get into this a little bit later within the five-step process, but um, this goes into paralinguistic behavior. Not to throw too many tongue twister words out there, but um, interviewing is really a conversation. Interrogation is, um, elevating a discussion based on responses of behavior, right? So um, maybe a higher tone of voice or maybe sh sharper words, right? Interviewing is, is more conversation. So I just want people to, to keep that in the back of their mind because sometimes people think uh, to be the most successful, they have to be in control, and that's not true. Okay? Yeah, awesome, awesome. So, so go on. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I know you asked me about the five-step process, so let me just take some people through this. Great. Uh, 
So, so the first is, the first main point is be sure you gather as much information as possible. Um, now people are thinking, okay, Dan, that's, that's obvious, right? Well, it, there's some key points here. Do, when possible, they don't ever be the first to speak. Always listen first, right? It's yeah. amazing how much the other side of the table will tell you about what they're really wanting. And this can be applied for a salesperson or a procurement person, right? Um, generally speaking, preparation is 80% of any negotiation, all right? Um, I, I lead a whole other course. In the interest of time, I won't go into that, but I, I lead a whole other course in advanced negotiation techniques that complements my investigative interviewing um, where I teach people how to prepare, et cetera. But, but in the interest of this conversation, gather as much information as you can uh, in those conversations, take notes, and then apply as appropriate. The second step is be non-accusatory. Uh, be genuine. Be genuine with people, right? Don't ever lead with assumptions. Yeah, um, we're, we're hearing a lot, uh, or I've been hearing a lot lately, the word authentic. Everybody wants, you know, you to be authentic. They, they want to see your authentic self and, and things like that, so. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it, you will naturally get the most information out of people when they feel comfortable with you. That's kind of common sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but it just, you have to be genuine. You can't put on the sales face. You can't put on the procurement face. Have a human interaction with someone, and you'd be amazed. Just keeping that in the back of your mind, you'd be amazed at the results you get with uh, with people. Um, so that's the second. The third is conversational. This goes into the difference between interviewing and investigation, right? Like we said, when people are relaxed, you'll get the most information um, that can be used to structure your deal. Uh, specifically, here's what I want people to think about. Focus on what the next five years looks like with this supplier, right, versus just your short-term one-year goal or your immediate needs. And be, be open and honest with, with that supplier when, when needed or when possible. Yeah, that's a, that's a, sorry to interrupt, that's a really great point. I think people focus on the short term um, when they go in to speak to somebody in, in this type of setting than actually taking a look at the long term. You know, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for them? Um, what does it look like? And how can I maybe put it into perspective? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and that that actually um, that plays into my last point. Uh, once we get there, but uh, it, it's really don't just focus on short term; focus on long term because that's that's where you gain the greatest mutual value from your suppliers, from your um, your business contacts, uh, and and that's really all I have to. Say on that one in the interest of time. Um, the, f- the fourth step here is, is actually multifaceted, and I, I hope I'm not too long-winded on this, but some people really want to understand the tactics, right, yeah. in investigative interviewing. And so this is a step in itself, but I'm going to basically take you through the most common uh, behavioral assessments that you can... Uh, uh, you can uh, implement within your interviewing with suppliers. So 
there's three different behavioral assessments your team and your listeners can implement. Uh, the first is verbal, the second is paralinguistic, and the third is nonverbal. And you're saying, well, what the heck are all these? Well, verbal is, is, um, is what we're saying, okay? Um, that's pretty common sense. But, but if, if you're trying to identify if someone is being um, truthful or deceptive with you, the easiest way of identifying that verbally is if someone is using broad descriptive language, right? If, if someone is giving you a, a full explanation regarding uh, what's happening inside the business, why this tool set really makes sense within your business, right? It, there, that is being a, that's a truthful conversation more often than not. If someone's giving you a broad explanation. Um, if they're being deceptive, one of the most common triggers that your audience should look out for is that if someone makes a declaration against their self-interest, right? Uh, which people are like, well, what does that mean? Well, a common phrase is, you won't believe this, but my boss is telling me X, right? You, you're not gonna believe this, right? It's this, that, and the other thing, right? Though, whenever someone uh, contradicts themselves, right, or, or asks to repeat the question again, uh, that's because they're searching for answers inside their head and it's actually a common human behavior uh, to put up a verbal defensive mechanism hmm. so that they have more time to process and to calculate. So, that, so it's not that they're looking left or right, because I've, I've always been told that if somebody's being deceptive, they will always look to the left. Um, but what you're saying is it's actually within the words, and uh, you can get it right from the words rather ju than just the, the, uh, the body language or the body cues. So it's, it's a compilation of all three behavioral assessments, Sarah, mm -hmm. that's a great comment. But um, I would very much caution people to uh, put all their eggs in one basket when, they, when, when they're sizing someone up and they're saying, this guy's looking one way, he can't, be, he can't be telling the truth. That's not always true, all right? And that's, uh, that's a science that's actually been disproven um, by uh, uh, both scholars as well as in the investigative community globally. So it's, it's basically a compilation of all the behaviors. Okay. So, so the, the first is, is verbal, right? The second is paralinguistic. Do you guys know what that means? I Don't have. Your head? No. Yeah. It's, it, it sounds nice, though, doesn't it? It <laughs> sounds amazing. I, I would not be able to spell it, though, probably. <laughs> uh, it's, it's how you say something, okay? So this is not the what you say, but this is how you say it. And, and uh, it's a truthful person will have consistent speech patterns, right? And, and you have to determine what a consistent speech pattern is by identifying a steady state with that, that person. I go into great detail of how you can do this within my course, but, but basically the key takeaway here is when you introduce yourself to someone and you're doing some of that small talk before really get into the brass tacks of the conversation, how they're responding, both in tone of voice as well as pattern of speech, is considered your benchmark. And if, if they deviate off that benchmark, um, that would be an inconsistent speech pattern that would raise concern. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yep. Okay. And another piece of deception here is, is utilizing a breaker, right? So... A breaker means anything that 
allows them to take more time uh, to say something. And we touched this briefly on the verbal, but if somebody coughs or sneezes quick, right, or, or clears their throat, right, um, that, is a, that is a telltale sign, and that is the human brain responding, throwing up a defensive mechanism. Huh. Okay. This is the science piece. So you, you, were, you guys were asking me, you know, is it an art or a science? And, and I always say it's an art, and that's totally true. But this is where the science comes in, mm -hmm. all right? Um, so that's paralinguistic. It's, it's how you say something. The third piece of behavioral assessment is in the nonverbal, right? Um, truthful people, the, the telltale sign here, truthful people will be open and relaxed with you. They'll have an open posture, right? Um, and they'll also generally speak with their hands. Uh, again, this is where science comes into it. The human brain likes to interact in multiple different facets and utilize different senses. Uh, hands, if they're speaking with their hands, that's generally meaning they're having a truthful conversation with you. If, if it's uh, deceptive, generally speaking, they're closed off. Their, their arms could be crossed. Uh, they can make rapid posture changes, right? They're, they're, just, they're just a little fidgety. Um, that's that's a more of actually an accurate way of telling if someone's being deceptive versus look where their eyes are looking. Right. So, and then, so that's that's really the behavioral assessments. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Those are really great points, and I think, you know, our audience is um, really going to take a lot away from that. I think were you that was just your fourth takeaway. Do you have one more to add? Yeah, yeah. I my my last one is is to think about relationship value, right? Um, develop a plan of how both you and the other party can create a white paper at the end of the negotiation. Um, this, is, this is some of my secret sauce, if you will. And this is what I did with salesforce.com with, with my client. Um, and especially important when you're dealing with a sole source supplier. There's a lot of chatter within social media, uh, within strategic sourcing and procurement groups. How do you deal with sole source suppliers? Well, the ultimate thing is you have to create more value than just money. You have to create, uh, how did we improve the business process? How do we take costs out of your business, et cetera? Mm -hmm. So that both you and the other party can use that as marketing material going forward. Yeah, that's a that's a really great point because you you it doesn't need to be all about money. It needs to be about the value. It needs to be about the pain points. It, it needs to be about the solutions. Yep, that's it. Okay, well we're we're sort of coming to the close of um, of the episode in this interview, and I I really want to thank you because you've you've really brought a lot of value to our clients, and we're going to be posting um, your bio as well as how to get in touch with you on our website. But before we go, um, I just have two quick questions pertaining to supply chain that are completely you know not about investigative interviewing techniques, but just about supply chain in general. So. One of them is, you know, what are the biggest changes you have seen in selling to supply chain executives in the last five years? And then the second one, just to round it off, would be, you know, what top companies are you following in supply chain? Yeah, those are great questions. Uh, <clears throat> so the first one is, is, is what biggest changes have I seen? Well, you know, I think the in the last five years, I, I think what I've really seen is there is becoming a 
there's becoming a gap in organizational maturity of supply chain individuals. Um, I, and let me just explain. Uh, in indirect procurement, as an example, there's, there's three different levels of organizational maturity. You know, the first is purchasing. Uh, the second is procurement. The third is strategic sourcing. And the, the influence that that procurement individual will have uh, will vary uh, depending on where they are at in that organizational um, uh, transformation. So uh, that that's one thing is, is there's becoming a real big gap where you've got some great industry leaders that are truly being strategic sourcing individuals looking at five-year horizon, looking at uh, what does our supply base look like now, how are we going to leverage the supply base to make us more profitable, right? That's more on the strategic sourcing side. And then you still have a lot of organizations that are more on the purchasing side, which is more of kind of the tactical uh, PO creation process. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing the gap actually getting larger, uh, which is interesting. And, and uh, the, the next piece is really time, right? I mean, people have less time now than I did than they did five years ago when I'm talking to my clients. Yeah, so I second that. <laughs> I definitely second that. I have to say, days go by a lot quicker, and this last summer has gone by way too fast. So summer, we had yeah. summer already. We had, yeah, we had summer. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like fall yeah, today. That's really what it is. It feels like fall today. That's uh, where we are, anyways. So, um, just to top it off, what top supply chain companies are you following? Yeah, you know, I, I really like to follow the e-commerce space. Um, I think it is a sign of our, uh, our you know, Generation Y uh, mentality and millennial mentality. So, you know, I, I watch uh, Amazon.com very closely. I wish I invested in it years ago. I haven't, so <laughs> missed that boat. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> um, yeah, Salesforce.com, uh, watch Apple closely. Mm -hmm. uh, specifically regarding their supply chain mm -hmm. and how many suppliers make up the iPhone, as an example, right? and managing that risk. And, you know, there's, there's also some new movers in the space. Uh, for example, Thrive. Have you guys heard of Thrive? No, I haven't. I thought it was gum. Yeah, Thrive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Thrive. And I'm not affiliated with them at, at all, let me be clear. But uh, they were really, think of Amazon.com mixed with Whole Foods. Okay. Right? Oh. Um, and, and they are really kind of reinventing that organic, natural f food space uh, by delivering those goods right to your door. Um, mm -hmm. And they're really attacking the, the, the whole foods market, and I, I think it's a fantastic, fantastic disruption um, in the what is really the self-serve economy we live in today. Yeah, absolutely. They're gonna, it's going to be a whole nother few elements of the supply chain that they're going to be tack tackling and, and tacking on. So, yeah, those are really great examples and, and really good companies to be watching because they're, they're doing all sorts of amazing things in those spaces. Well, Dan, again, this has been uh, just amazing. We've, we've loved having you on the show, and thank you for uh, joining us today. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a pleasure. Are you struggling to make the most out of your supply chain and keep the orders moving efficiently? IceCorp is your supply chain specialist and they specialize in e-commerce, retail, and dropship distribution. 
They will provide you with tailor-made solutions that will drive your business and sales forward. To get your free assessment, visit them at icecorp.ca. That is I-C-E-C-O-R-P dot C-A. And check out their learning center as they have some great free resources waiting for you. I would like to thank Dan Kelly, the negotiator guru who has given us key investigative interviewing techniques right here on Two Babes Talk Supply Chain. Be sure to check out Dan's website, thenegotiatorguru.com, for more information. Next week on Two Babes, we have Shane Cannon, Seniors Customs Compliance Specialist from Global Manufacturing and Retail Company, talking about supply chain compliance and how not to bankrupt your company. If you have any questions about compliance, you won't want to miss this next episode. Thanks for listening. Check our website out at twobabestalksupplychain.com. And just remember, ship happens.